Hello and welcome to another episode of the Intelligent Transport Podcast. This episode is all about micromobility, a trend that has grown just massively in importance and stature ever since I've been working on Intelligent Transport, really. My guests today are Janaki Mamaya and Paloma Castro from micromobility provider Lime. Lime started out as bike-sharing company Lime Bike back in 2017, losing the bike from its name as it expanded from bikes to scooters, then e-bikes, e-scooters, and now even car-sharing. There are some great pointers coming up in the next 20 minutes or so, so let's just get straight into the discussion. So hello to Paloma and Yannicky from Lime, who are my guests on the podcast today. Guys, I just wanted to get a quick introduction from you so that our listeners can understand what your roles are at Lime. I'm Paloma Castro, and I'm the head of international communications for Lime. And my name is Yannicky Momaya, and I'm the general manager for Lime in the United Kingdom. That's great. Thank you very much. So there aren't many people at this point, I don't think, who would be listening to this that don't know who Lime are and what the company does, which I think is a testament to the company's growth in the last few years. Uh, but before we get further into the conversation, I just wanted to understand where Lime came from, how things started out with Lime Bike. So could you give us a little bit of an insight into that? So this is a very relevant question. In reality, we've been only um, uh, assisting as a company for two years, and this all comes from the vision of the founders. The two founders were investors, they have their own investment fund, and they were really looking for solutions for what they have experienced themselves in their lives. The problem of most of the population lives today in cities, and congestion, pollution, friction, lack of time, was something that really themselves thought it was the next thing to look at. Initially, they look around and they could not find a company they would invest in that will be looking at what you would describe as the last mile. What do you do when you are in the middle of traffic and you need to get to a place? And that becomes such a difficult thing to do. So they put together investments and they decided that electric bikes could be a first solution on the concept of free floating in a city that will be challenged by those congestion, pollution, and friction times. And soon enough, they look into the other alternatives that could be in the market and that have not been exploited. That was electric scooters. And the one interesting thing is that very fast, our founders look into that solution as something that internationally could work. Most of the companies would have been looking and they were looking at the US initially, while our founders thought the problems are the same throughout the world. And this is something that should be sustainable because the aspects of eco-friendly were really, really strong in their minds and has to have the values of how do you reimagine the city from an infrastructure and architectural point of view. What is the solution to get the last mile and bring you back a currency that's precious time. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really important, I think, um, the sustainability factor. And obviously, nobody wants to be sat in traffic at all um, for any longer than they have to be. So, Janaki, just to bring you in on this, obviously, Lime started out with Lime Bike and then moved into electric bikes and scooters. How important is it for those types of vehicles to be in cities um, when you consider 
the uh, the kind of goals that cities are aiming at in terms of zero emissions transport and improving air quality? That's a very good question. Um, Lime's mission is to provide basically on-demand transport that is affordable, convenient and environmentally friendly. And here in London, we want to partner with this, you know, with the different boroughs and the councils to help solve the problems of air quality, congestion and physical inactivity. So firstly, air quality, which is, according to the Mayor of London, the public health crisis of our generation. Secondly, congestion, which, you know, despite recent innovations such as contactless payments, City Mapper, and of course, Uber, people are still using cars more than ever. And finally, physical inactivity. 40% of adults in the UK today are insufficiently active, according to the British Heart Foundation. And Lime, with our electric bikes, today addresses all three of these problems. Yeah, that's obviously really valuable. Um, Active transport has perhaps been neglected in the past. And I'm just wondering how much of a mindset kind of thing is that for pedestrians, I suppose, to think, actually, I don't need I don't need my car, especially in an urban area. How much of that comes down to mindset and how much of it do you think is down to, I suppose, the operators and service providers making people really aware of the options that are now open to them? Um, so from my experience at Lime, I've found that riders, whether it's bikes or electric bikes or scooters, they're very keen to get on alternative modes of transport when provided the option. Our recent 50 million ride report found that globally Lime had helped reduce more than 15 million miles of vehicle travel, which is the equivalent to taking, you know, almost 1500 passenger vehicles off the road for a year. If we're able to translate that down to the UK and to London, that would help solve a lot of the problems that I previously talked about. Yeah, of course, of course. And one of the things I wanted to talk about, obviously, was the process of working with a city, with the authorities, with the regulators, with the policymakers. In London, how is that experience, I suppose? Um, Because obviously e-scooters are not yet allowed on London roads. So what is the process like? So the way that we've approached London is by partnering with the city as a whole and with each of London's 33 boroughs. So we always launch in a borough in partnership with the council and local leaders. Being a part of the community is fundamental to transforming mobility. So the way that we launch is by basically engaging with the the council and local stakeholders and making sure that when our bikes hit the streets, everyone is happy to have them and knows exactly how to use them. Yeah, obviously people need a little bit of education, I suppose, on um, what is essentially a new technology to them and their their surroundings. Safety and security is obviously really close to the top of the agenda, if not right at the top of the agenda, for boroughs and for councils, and to make sure that the people living there are affected positively by changes in transport provision, I suppose. But obviously every city and its needs is different and so the services on offer need to vary from city to city does that ring true of 
um, council to council or borough to borough in your situation? Absolutely. For example, we recently launched Bromley and Croydon and we've had rollouts across Islington and Brent and Ealing and each one of them has been very individual and specific. And we at Lyme, we want to do our absolute best to make sure that we're serving every individual borough and meeting all of their needs and expectations. Yeah, of course, of course. So in places where e-scooters aren't yet road legal uh, i know there have been kind of test beds for them um, across the uk but um, no wide rollout yet how should operators like lime or service providers like lime work with authorities to overcome any hurdles or address any issues that might be uh, might be prohibiting that kind of thing talking about the european experience is all all about listening to the citizens and talking to the authorities about all different angles. In places like Germany, now the um, federal state has provided a framework. And to the point of Janicki and her fantastic work, um, talking to the boroughs, talking to the London structures, people want alternatives that are sustainable, the right frameworks need to be created and it happens eventually. It is just a pity that the UK today is taking longer because even countries that are extremely sore about regulating like Germany have just opened the framework. Yeah, it's interesting to see the types of, um, I suppose, interesting to see the differences uh, between countries and between cities. Um, even, you know, as you said, just across Europe, let alone even further afield than that. The UK seems quite cautious. Do you think there might be a danger that it gets left behind in what we're seeing in terms of this new kind of urban mobility market if it doesn't start to um, implement new technologies maybe slightly quicker or new services slightly quicker than it is at the moment? Well, again, I refer to Janik in terms of what it is, the reality of the UK, but when looking across EMEA, and I'm talking my uh, places from Israel to South Africa to Italy, Spain, Germany, everybody, everybody's listening because the core issue here is that we all have targets to decrease emissions and electric scooters really helps the cities. You may look at what has happened in Lisbon, where suddenly this year they were granted the European Sustainability Award for the city because the addition of e-scooters to what it was the mobility of the city. So would that be detrimental for the UK in terms of targeting emissions at local level? Well, I reckon that that's something that they have to really take into account. Yeah, of course. I completely agree with you. If people were, you know, if people in the UK were to see the options in the way that those working in the industry do, there would be a bigger call for their rollout here. So I suppose that feeds back into the awareness thing. How should the general public be made more aware of the options that their European neighbours currently have and that they could have? Yeah, so I think just from, you know, living and working in London every day, one of the things that that's really striking is that 
every day I see at least a dozen electric scooters on the road and they all seem to know exactly where to be on the road as well. They, they seem to know that their place is in the bike lane, in the bus lane. And I think, I think we're getting there on the public side. It's just about gaining consensus at the national and local authority level. Yeah, I suppose that's encouraging to see, isn't it? There is at least a willingness to, um, to adopt these things. And, I mean, you mentioned there people generally knowing how and where to use the, use the bikes. Do you think there's a need for more bike-specific or maybe even micro-mobility-specific um, road infrastructure in the UK? Um, I would say that there's always the need for more cycle infrastructure. Um, I think particularly in central London, where there's so much traffic and congestion and the air quality is so poor, I definitely think that having more cycle superhighways would only be a good thing. Yeah, of course. You know, it will become the new normal and it will be almost odd that we ever had this conversation you know um i think that's what's really intriguing is that in the same way that the train and the car were hugely revolutionary to transport years and years ago we're seeing potentially a similar kind of um transport revolution today Uh, i don't know if you would agree with that you're totally right do you know that the car initially went for um, issued the G4 was banned in New York. That didn't last long. I think that what this scooter, the electric scooter, may be a new device in terms of how do we produce them. Because Lime, as you know, has an integrated supply chain. That's another differentiating factor from our competitors. We iterate our scooters to be safer, reliable better, more comfortable on like regular basis. But um, what it is interesting is the revolution that is taking place in the city. And the, London was the first one that put the congestion tax into play. And now, for instance, Paris is the first city that is making in the upcoming years public parking being transformed into uh, public places. They're going to reallocate those spaces for other purposes. And you see cities like Madrid that is revisiting all the like cycle lanes. So it's a revolution. And it's a revolution in which cities can learn from each other and they are doing it already. The revolution is here and um, people want it. So infrastructures will be coming as well because to the point of it's inevitable. Yeah, absolutely. It's really encouraging to see some of the cities, as, as you mentioned there, um, beginning to claim back some of the space that it had previously given up to cars only. Finally, that space is starting to be used for more shared modes of transport and more um, more low emissions or zero emissions forms of transport, more active transport. I think that's really the only way that uh, these types of cities, these huge metropolitan cities, can really hope to meet the really ambitious zero emissions targets that they've been set. Um, I don't know if you'd agree with that or if there's anything you would add. 
on that particular one, I mean, see Lisbon getting that European Sustainability Award because they really like included other means like ours. But um, the target emissions is crucial because it's, you know, a commitment. But think as well about the health and the health effects. You know that in Paris, on a yearly basis, there are over 6,000 people that die because of pollution-related diseases. It's a pandemic, so health matters, and everybody understands that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the uh, the severity of the issues um, are sadly only beginning to be understood by um, by cities and by governance. But there are encouraging signs, and I hope obviously that we see see change across Europe and across the world more quickly than we have before. Um, and obviously companies like Lime with with your services have a really important part to play in that. Um, so looking ahead, what is next for Lime? What are you working on at the moment, uh, if you're able to tell me? And uh, what kind of services and what kind of things are you looking to implement in the future? So at a time when cities in the UK are grappling with high levels of air pollution, congestion and an increasing lack of space, Lime is looking forward to helping cities solve these problems. Our focus in the UK will be partnering with cities such as London and further afield to bring our electric bike to absolutely everyone. Yeah, it's a really, really exciting aim and goal to have, I think. Um, and further afield, Paloma, are you able to comment on what might be happening um, across Europe? It's very exciting because, as I mentioned, Lyme has been basically the leader to explain the other values for the cities and for the countries. Our next step is Germany, where we will be opening after all the conversations with governments and cities in the upcoming weeks. And I reckon that our presence now is very interesting. When I started back in November, we were in eight countries. Today we are in 20. I think that we will be in many more by the end of the summer. And the idea is to concentrate on these solutions right now. But obviously, when you are the inventing the way that people interact with the city, Lime really wants to be a planner for daily urban life. So I reckon that will be many more citizens many more things that could come from your experience with Lyme in the upcoming future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the future sounds like it's um, really bright for Lyme. But unfortunately, I think that's just about all we have time for, um, for now. But I just want to say thank you uh, to both of you for joining me. Uh, it's been really, really fascinating, um, really great insight. So thank you very much, and I hope to speak again soon. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. And that's a wrap on another episode. Thanks again to Janaki and Paloma for their time and for the insights they've shared. On a final note here, I think the number of service providers now operating in this space is a real sign of how important more active and affordable transport modes have become to people. It also shows how important it is to urban populations to have good options. And I think that's acted as a real call to action for operators everywhere in the last few years. Now we'll be back with another new episode at the end of July. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or Google. Thanks a lot for listening.